Connecting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. I am Roy Biancalana, your host, and we are going to talk about a really relevant, sort of down-in-the-dirt, practical subject today, which is relationship decision-making. Right, boy, relationships seem to hinge on decisions that we make. And what you're going to find, I think, in our discussion today is even though we're going to be applying some of the principles that that I talk about to relationships and dating and, you know, creating connections and handling different phases a relationship might go through, that this subject is going to apply to your entire life because life is a series of decisions a lot of times, is it not? Whether it's about work or things going on with your friends or family members, your kids. So we seem to be at crossroads or have a fork in the road or need to make a decision about something all the time. And so the principles that we're going to talk about are going to transcend relationships. Uh, and I hope to kind of give you a framework. That might be the best way to say it. I want to talk about decision making from three different mindsets. You know, at any moment of our lives, we could say that there are different perspectives, there are different states of consciousness, there are different mindsets or different attitudes. And depending on what mindset or attitude you're coming from, you do things differently. You act differently. right? If you're coming from a fear-based place, we do and say and decide certain things based upon the fear. If we're coming from a real deep place of faith and trust and openness right, and, and real surrender, then we do and say and make decisions quite differently. Right, so what I want to do today is I want to lay out a little bit of a matrix, a little bit of a kind of a, a framework through which you can not only use to make decisions, but more importantly, perhaps understand what your frame of reference is when you're making decisions. Like, What attitude or mindset or state of consciousness are you in as you're making some decision? That might be more valuable than the decision itself to know that you're coming from fear or if you're coming from trust. To know what's going on inside of you probably is more important than the actual decision because What's going on inside of you is going to sort of determine the decision. 
So one sort of flows from the other. And so it's easy in this discussion to just talk about, okay, what should I do? Okay, I've got this problem, right? I'm dating this guy or I'm dating this girl and, you know, we there's this thing that's come up. Um, something's bothering me. You know, there's a dynamic going on and, and like, what do I do? Okay, it's easy to get lost in just trying to decide what to do. But it's more beneficial sometimes to back up and say, all right, from where am I approaching this? Like, what is my state of mind as I'm looking at this dynamic? Right? So becoming self-aware as to what's going on inside of us lends so much to making decisions that, well, I don't want to say we will not regret them, but at least we make decisions from a place of self-awareness. We sort of know what we're doing. Perhaps something works out the way we want it to, perhaps it doesn't. But when we're at least going through it and we know what's driving us, whatever decisions we make, we can we can accept them easier. Well, let me give you an example of this. I wrote about this in one of my books, um, my first book, A Drink With Legs, which is kind of my um, my memoir, you could say. <laughs> my first book was my memoir. It really was just a story of how I went from a bunch of drama in my relationships with women to how I was able to learn how to create a healthy dynamic. If you haven't read it, it's a great it's a great read. It's funny. It'll make you cry. It'll make you cringe. You'll learn. It's called A Drink With Legs. Uh, one man's journey from the darkness of drama to the dawning of intimacy. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. But at one point in my life, um, well, I grew up, my lifelong dream was to be on the PGA Tour. Okay, I always wanted to be a professional golfer. So when I was 28, 29 years old, I finally qualified for the tour. Right? I mean, I spent my whole life, teenage life, high school, college golf, amateur golf, turn pro, struggled as a as a young pro to get out there. Finally, I qualified for the PGA Tour. Okay? And within 2 years, I actually quit the tour to start a church with a friend of mine. So you heard that right. I actually quit the PGA Tour to go start a church. Okay, it's a little bit of a man bites dog story, right? You don't hear that very often. Now, at the time, that was a big decision, right? <laughs> to walk away from my lifelong dream that I was realizing, to make that decision to walk away from that and to go into a, a one-year training program and then start a church in the western suburbs of St. Louis, which is what happened. Now, at the time, you know, I really thought that that's what God wanted me to do. I, I thought that I was maybe wasting my life and wasting my gifts and wasting my energy just playing professional golf and that my life could be used for a bigger purpose um, if I was involved directly in spiritual things, you know, so I decided to do it, and that's why. Except I was really unaware at the time 
of the real reason I made that decision. Like I was not self-aware to know what was really going on inside of me. I thought I was acting from a place of trust and faith. In reality, I wasn't. See, in reality, my whole personality system is sort of built on, my my whole self-structure is built on being good at something. Okay? I have a real fear of failure. Uh, um, I'm an achiever, right? I'm a performer. If you know the Enneagram, I'm a type three. Okay? When I was on the tour for those two years in 1988 and 1989, I played very poorly to my own standards and to what everybody else's expectations of me were. A lot of people expected me to go out there and kill it and be, you know, maybe not one of the top players immediately, but to play very well and do very well. Well, it didn't turn out that way. I sucked. Okay? Now, I didn't really, I wasn't self-aware at the time to know that that's why I was looking to go someplace else. It's because I was failing and it was killing me on the inside and I didn't know how to handle those feelings. And so when a church called Willow Creek Community Church, which is in the western suburbs of Chicago, at the time they were one of the biggest churches in the entire world, probably the biggest church in this country, they were looking to to train 12 individuals to start churches. Okay? So they were looking all over the globe for 12 people they thought that they could train to start these mega churches. Okay? Well, there was my chance to be a performer again. I mean, I was into all the Christian stuff at that time. And I thought God wanted me to do this. But in reality, it was my ego needs to be special and perform, which were not being met through golf. I was selected to be one of those 12 Okay, that's a big deal to my ego. That sort of, you know, replenished my need to be special, to be good at something, to be seen to be good at something. Because in golf, I was failing. Okay, so that's the real, it had nothing, my leaving golf to start a church had nothing to do with God. I know that now, it had zero. It was all about my ego. But at the time, I didn't know that because I didn't have any self-awareness as to what was going on in me behind the scenes, right? So it was all that stuff behind the scenes that was making me make a decision. So to focus on the decision itself is to miss the point. It's more important to be aware of what's going on inside of you, what's motivating you. Because the decisions will flow from that. And so it's not that there is a good motivation and a bad motivation. Okay? There, there is only being aware of what you're doing. So then you can actually make a free choice. Back in the day, I didn't know about my ego. I didn't know about being an, an, an Enneagram type 3. I didn't know really about my fear of failure. I didn't know my whole sense of self was built upon being successful uh, professionally at doing something. I didn't know that. So in a sense, I didn't have any choice. I was just being driven and tossed by my unconscious needs to be special and to perform and to be 
to do something like special in the world. You see, I, I just didn't know it. So I really didn't have a choice. So the more that you're aware of what's driving you, the more you can make a decision that you will probably end up saying, all right, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I made it from a healthy place, meaning I, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I know what's going on inside of me. And I make the choice based upon that self-awareness and I can live with it, right? So that's a little bit of the background about what I want to focus on in this. But I want to start by just telling you I want to share just two quick tips of things I've learned. Maybe you've already learned these things, you know, but I just want to share two things before I get into that framework um, that I've just learned the hard way. Okay, so I just tell you this because I've made so many mistakes like this and I've learned from them and I want to pass it along. And the first thing is that there are times when you just know the right thing to do. Right? You, you know a decision has to be made and you know what the decision should be. Like you know that I need to have a conversation with so-and-so. Right? Something's happened in a relationship, a friendship, somebody you're dating. Something's bothering you. There's an issue and you know that you've got to address it. But you can't decide. I mean, should I say something? Should I not say something? But you know, deep in your gut, you know it's important and you know you need to do something. And you don't do it. That happens so often. You know, I talk to a lot of people that are single, of course, and a lot of them have been married before. And if one person has told me this, a thousand have. That they say, I was married for X number of years, 15 years, 20 years. But really, I knew I should have got out about year five. Right? But they didn't. The danger of that is in almost every situation, when you sort of know that you have to address an issue, that you know what the right decision is and you don't do it, you will pay a bigger price than ever when you finally have to have that conversation or make that decision. In other words, procrastinating or not dealing with something, not taking action will come back to bite you in bigger ways than you can ever imagine. It's almost like, you know, when you pull a Band-Aid off, right? Um, if the Band-Aid is just barely attached to a little bit of your skin, you pull it off and there's not much pain. Now imagine a giant piece of duct tape, you know, put on your arm. And you got to tear the whole thing off. Very painful, right? That's how it is when we know we need to do something, address something, make some decision. We just, we just know it. And we let it go on. And a, and a lot of time passes. History happens. You know, people get closer. There's, there's just more connection. And so when something has to be decided or taken, action be taken... The longer you wait, it's like you're tearing off a bigger and bigger piece of duct tape and it's going to hurt more. It's going to damage everybody more. So I have just, I have done that so many times. It's so easy to, well, you doubt yourself. 
sometimes you hold out hope that something's going to be different. Um, sometimes you just don't like conflict, right? Not many people like conflict. I, I think I saw some study somewhere where they said, you know, the fear of public speaking is number one and the fear of conflict is like number two. <laughs> you know, some people love a good argument, but most people don't want conflict. So it's real easy to just brush shit under the rug. To avoid it. I hope it goes away. You know, hope, because I don't want to face it. I don't want to feel the feelings. I I don't want to deal with their disappointment. I don't want to, you know, get anybody mad at me. And so we string things out. And we don't decide. And I can't tell you how many times that that has come back to bite me. And my guess is you can relate to that. So when that little voice inside of you says you need to do something here, you need to take action, maybe that action is getting counseling or maybe a divorce or just having a difficult conversation, um, you know, maybe it's even something at work. You know, I, I, There's so many different ways to give examples of this and there's really no need to. Um, but when something in you tells me, tells you, like, you know, you better deal with this. You better bring it up. You better not brush this one under the rug. If you don't listen to that, mm, you are going to pay a big price. Okay? So that's one thing about decision making is procrastination is more dangerous than you think. A- avoiding that that still small voice, the Christians call it, the, <laughs> the still small voice that says, you got to do this. You got to take action. You've got to step up. You got to make an appointment to have a conversation. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, you can do it with health things, right? You you can be a smoker. You can be eating a terrible diet, and you get a little something from your body um, that says you're on a bad track here. And something in you says, you know, I got to quit smoking. Now I got to start eating better. And you don't do anything about it. You, you just ignore that, right? You know where that's headed. You're going to have a coronary one day and it might be too late. So that's the first thing. The second thing, uh, this is a little tougher to, to describe, um, but I've written about it in my first book. Okay, so I'm going to share you something that I did. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I have never done it again. I don't plan on doing it. But when I was married, toward the end of my 19-year marriage, I had an affair. Okay, I made that decision, um, which was a fear-based decision, obviously. But I had an affair, and the woman that I had an affair with did not know I was married. So I was lying to everybody. I was leading a double life. Okay. So to make a long story short, it all came out at one time. It all blew up in my face. Um, and it was inevitable. I somehow thought maybe it wouldn't. I don't know what I was thinking back then. I was pretty lost. But it all blew up in my face. And, of course, my the woman I was having an affair with that I had fallen in love with, but yet I didn't tell her I was married, she, of course, broke up with me when she found out. And then I asked my wife for a divorce because I knew that it was a sham what I was doing and I I didn't want to be married to her anymore and I didn't have the courage to just deal with that in the beginning and then meet somebody afterwards. Um, you know, so I did, I, you know, I just had the affair. Okay, fine. Now, 
after all that blew up and I came clean to my wife and I told the person that I was having the affair with that I came clean with my wife and I filed for a divorce and the paperwork was there and I was doing it, she was open to getting back with me and I was open to wanting to be with her initially. Okay, So when the person that I was having an affair with found out that I was actually divorcing my wife and moving on, she she was open to us being together again. But I also had a seven-year-old son, and I had never really done any counseling with my with my ex-wife. I, I had never really tried to work things out. And I had a seven-year-old. So I had this decision to make. Do I go back to my wife and try to work things out and go through counseling? I do have a son, all of that. Or do I stay with my new girlfriend and go through a divorce? Like, which woman do I pick? Right now, I was in love with the woman that I was having an affair with. I wasn't really in love with my wife, but I was really in love with my family and my son. And so I was caught. Like, what do I do? What do, how do I make this decision? Do I, do I let go of the woman I was having an affair with and say goodbye to her and and go back to my wife and give it my best shot? Or do I walk away from my family and deal with all of that and be with the woman that I had the affair with? I didn't know what to do. And so at one point, I was talking to one of my best friends. In fact, it was Jim Dethmer, who I interviewed recently on the podcast here. Um, And I was asking him what to do. (laughs) And here here was his wisdom to me, and I'm passing this along to you. He said, Roy, it doesn't matter. Just pick a path and you'll know. What do you, so he was like, Roy, it doesn't matter whether you pick going back to your wife or you go on with your, with your girlfriend. Just pick one. If you go full bore in one direction, he said, I don't know how long it will take. My guess is not very long. But either you will know, yes. Yeah, this is the this is the right thing to do. Or you will know, nope, this isn't it. This isn't it. His point was there are some decisions that you cannot make from a distance. I can't stand back in that situation and like pick which one. You just have to pick one. And then you sort of get the understanding on the other side of the decision. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But it was perfect wisdom for me. I had a seven-year-old son, and that's what I did. I picked working on my relationship with my wife. And I told, I told the girlfriend that, that we were done. We cried together. It was horrible. Um, but I just felt like that I, was, I had to give it a shot. I just owed it to my son, to my family, and I went full bore, said goodbye to the girlfriend. It was all in. And I won't go into any more details, but within three days, I could not do it. I literally couldn't do it. I remember finding a hair of my girlfriend in my car and breaking down in tears. And that's when I knew I really want to be with my girlfriend. That's where I really want to go. Before that, I didn't really know. I had the pros and cons thing going, right? I mean, I, I got a son. I got a family. We got a history. We got a house. 
it's going to cost me a shitload of money and, and you know alimony, child support. Nah. But then I, I, I do. I am in love with this girl, and, I, and the pros and the cons, and the cons and the pros. And you know, I couldn't. I couldn't just weigh it out. I, I you know. So Jim just said, just pick one. Doesn't matter because either way, you're going to know one way or the other. But you have to pick first, and that's what I did. And I learned that where I really wanted to be. It's not about whether it was right or wrong. It's not how I view it. It was it was just where my heart was and where it wasn't. And so I went through with the divorce and it was actually turned out to be the best for everybody. Even my son. It was the best for everybody. But that's my little second little tidbit for you. There are some decisions that you can't make beforehand. Sometimes if you got a couple of options, you just got to pick one. I mean, if you if you really can't make sense of it and something is not obvious, then sometimes you just got to pick one and go fully into it. Say yes to one, say completely no to the other and go. And usually without very long, you're going to know, oh yeah, this was exactly right. Now that I'm here, now that I'm working here, now that I'm doing this, now that I've committed to this, yep, yep, this was right on. Or you will you will find out probably pretty quickly, oh my God, I can't stand it. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Now I see clearly. Now there could be some consequences of that. Okay, so I broke my ex-wife's heart twice, in a sense you could say. Because I had the affair and then I was getting back with her and going to work things out. And then I said, no, I can't do it. Okay. So that, that, that's the dark side of this. Um, but at least within three days, I got clarity on what it was. And it didn't turn out to be something deeper and darker and nastier for everybody. So those are the, the two little advice points I can just offer you is when you know that a decision needs to be made and you know what it is and you you just know, you just know that you have to do something, say something, make a decision and you know what it is. If you wait, it's going to come back to bite you. And the other one is, is when you, you, you got two options and you just can't figure it out. Sometimes you just got to pick one, go all the way and then you'll find out. Okay. Now, if you're already sensing, there's a little contradiction there. (laughs) Yes, this whole conversation is going to be filled with paradoxes and contradictions. Because decisions and decision-making, it's such a complex issue, right? And depending on what state of mind you're in, like when I was making that decision to leave golf, um, when you're not aware of certain things, then everything gets a little weird and and there are paradoxes and contradictions um so it's just it's just part of the 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 issue here but i but i think if we talk about this it'll make you smarter it'll just make you a better decision maker it it'll give you more information to play with um it'll give you a framework so let me walk walk you through this okay so there are there are probably a lot more than three, but I've sort of tried to group decision making and from where is the decision coming into three basic areas. 
So I think decisions can be made from mind. Decisions can be made from body. And decisions can be made from trust or something that is beyond you. Okay? Now, I will say that I think there's level of depth here. Mind, I think, is when you make decisions from mind, you're on the shakiest ground. Because our minds are filled with so much garbage, so much past history, what the, what Eckhart Tolle calls pain body, or Michael Singer calls samskaras, right? All of our emotional baggage is kind of in our heads, all our beliefs and thoughts and memories and stuff like that. So when you make decisions from mind, you're probably on the shakiest ground. A little better place to make decisions from is from the body, okay? The, the body is usually got a, a little better wisdom than the head, okay? For just that reason. The mind has got all kinds of beliefs. It's been, it's got its perspectives. It's been impacted by all kinds of things. So you're thinking, ah, you know, I mentioned this in my book. I've even done a podcast on this. You know, you can't trust that voice in your head, not that ego voice. Yeah, you that one's always talking to you and blah 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 and telling you this and telling you that. Mind is is you know that was a commercial, mind is a terrible thing to waste. No, mind is a terrible thing to listen to. Okay, so we're gonna talk about that in a minute. So mind is is pretty shaky and pretty untrustworthy. The body is more trustworthy. It has a, a deeper, less kind of confused wisdom in it. And we're going to talk about how to access that bodily wisdom. But then there's a deeper level than that. And that's what I would call making a decision from trust. Okay? Let me walk you through these three things, and then maybe we have a conversation about this. And and by the way, you know, I hope that a lot of the things I discuss on this podcast lead you to want to talk to me. I hope they create questions. These are massive topics we're talking about. I just did a three-part series on communication. Okay, There's a lot to talk about on that. I just gave you some framework to look at it with, and I hope it leads to more curiosity and exploration and maybe conversations privately. Right? So I always tell people, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Even if you want to tell me you disagree with something, that's okay. Maybe I'll learn something I didn't know. Or perhaps we'll just be able to connect with each other. Maybe I clear something up. Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't. But I always say, I don't want to have a one-night stand here. I don't want to just meet you via the podcast and then we both go our separate ways. I'm hoping that these podcasts lead to an ongoing, long-term relationship between us. And I think this topic, maybe as much as any other topic I'm ever going to deal with, We'll have a lot of yeah, buts, Roy. Well, well, yeah, yeah, Roy, I understand. But what about this? What about that? What about my situation? What about what about this? Have you ever thought of that? Right. So, of course, that's going to be the response. I'm just giving you some basic principles here. Your particular situation might need some nuance application of these things. All right. All right. So, having said that, let me just talk briefly about. 
the mind, okay? The, the, you're, you're making decisions from mind. Those decisions usually are made from fear. The mind is a fearful place. The, the mind is sort of always looking for what could go wrong. It's kind of a survival mechanism in there. It's, it's, you know, it's based on evolution, right? I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago, you had to be on the lookout for a bear behind a bush or a tiger or a, a rival tribe or something because survival was always at stake. So our minds have evolved to look for trouble and sort of to be kind of always on high alert, looking for problems, looking for mistakes, looking for issues. And so the mind is usually evaluating decisions from a place of fear. And the fear is, well, am I going to get what I want if I make decision or am I going to get what I don't want if I make this decision? Right? In a sense, when you kind of go to your mind and you want to use your thinking to make a decision, what you're really doing is you're trying to figure out which decision will make me happy, which decision will end up making me feel less anxiety, less depression, less worry, you know, which one is going to make me feel more joy, more fulfillment. Because the mind is in that state of being scared. It's it's in a kind of a it's in a a constant state of being sort of triggered and reactive. If you pay attention to that voice in your head, it's usually you're bothered about something, you're concerned about something, you're worried about something. And then you have these decisions and the mind is just trying to figure out you know, how to get the world the way you want it to be. Which which decision is going to going to make me get what I want and which decision is going to make me make sure I don't get what I don't want, right? So the mind does the pros and cons thing. And, and you know, pros and cons aren't bad. It's not bad to have a piece of paper and say, all right, if I make this decision, here are the pros, here are the cons. Let me take a look at it. Okay, fine. But when you're making, when you're making decisions from mind, what you're going to find is that the mind thinks you can make a mistake. The mind thinks you can get it wrong and that whatever decision you make, it's sort of life and death. It's sort of, you can never come back from it. It's, it's, you know, the mind lives with possible regret, um, possible shame. Um, you know, it, it lives in this right, wrong, good, bad. I don't want to make a mistake. And really, if you think about it, the deepest way to look at decision making is that you're if you're going to use your mind you're you're always going to make a decision based upon the information that your mind has and of course your mind has limited information but if you make a decision based upon the the information your mind has how can you call it a mistake it's the only decision you could have made based on the information that you had like when i left golf I don't view that as a mistake. I don't regret that. Because at the time, I was simply acting on the only information I had. I wasn't aware of my Enneagram type. I wasn't on this this consciousness path. I, I wasn't aware of my fear of failure. I didn't know any of that crap. I, I was unaware. So I didn't make a mistake. 
I made the only decision I could have made given the state of consciousness I was in, given the information that I knew about me and about life and about what I wanted and so forth, right? But when you're in mind, you're going to be thinking, oh, I could make a mistake and right wrong. Whereas the deeper way to look at it is whatever I decide, I'm going to learn something from this. I might, you know, I look back on my golf career and I could say, oh, if I knew then what I know now, would I have left golf to start a church? Of course not. But I didn't know then what I know now. So how can I blame myself for that? Right? But that's the problem when you make decisions from mind is you're limited to your level of self-awareness. You're and most of us think we're really self-aware. If you asked me back then, I would have told you, oh, I'm really self-aware. I mean, I was teaching people the Bible at that time. I mean, I was a mover and a shaker. But I was completely unaware of what was going on inside of me. But I didn't know it. Right? So when you use mind, you're basically going to be trying to make decisions based on the limited information you have about yourself, about life, about the other person, about the situation. And you're not going to make the, the, the best quality decision when you don't have all the information. But when you're using mind, you're stuck with what your mind knows. <laughs> am, I, am I making that pretty clear? That's why I, I, I rail so much on not trusting your own thinking. You know, I, in my book, I talk about fire that inner relationship coach, that person in your head that tells you about people you should date and not date and what you should put on your list and what you shouldn't and, you know, what's a red flag and what's a yellow flag and all that noise in your head. You shouldn't trust all that in there. Because it's all based on your past. It's all based on your baggage. It's all based on stuff you've never let go of. It, and it's, it's neurotic. It's, your mind is a neurotic mess if you notice that. right? So your mind is filled with neuroticness, negativity, neediness. It, it, you know, your mind is an, it's, it's nuts in there. You've seen that, right? So then we, we have a decision to make and we're going to consult our inner roommate, as Michael Singer calls it, that nut that lives in your head that makes up stories and worries about things that haven't even happened yet and rehashes stuff that happened years ago. You ever notice your mind talks about stuff that happened like five years ago, 50 years ago? What is that? Why are you spending time now thinking about what happened to you 20 years ago? Like, for instance, I can trigger this in you right now. I can trigger it right now. I guarantee it. All I have to say to you is high school reunion. Boom. You're welcome. I just made you remember all the people you hate and that hurt your feelings <laughs> and that said and did things to you. Or is it just me? <laughs> no, it ain't just me. Right? We have all that junk in there. I mentioned high school with you. No, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy. She was a bitch. She was never nice to me. I can't wait to see her. I'll bet you I look better than her. You know? Or, oh, these guys. Oh, they thought they were all that. They were high school football players. Yeah, well, they, didn't, they never made the NFL, and I played on the PGA Tour. Okay? That's a real window into the nut that lives in my head. Okay? If I listen, if I go to that guy for advice, 
holy crap, I'm screwed. Because it's all ego. It's all defensive. It's it's messed up. Okay? So you can make decisions from your mind, but it's a neurotic mess, and it is got limited information that's all based on your past experiences. So when you have to make decisions, the idea of thinking it through, giving it some thought, really kind of thinking about the pros and cons, you know, and and, and you could even say, oh, I'm going to pray about it. Mm, come on now. Okay. You're in your mind and you're allowing that neurotic nut job that lives in there to direct what you're going to do with your life. And you're most of the time, 90% of the time, you are going to regret that because that neurotic nut job is wrong and making decisions from ego and from fear and from defensiveness. And if you think I'm painting too ugly of a picture, well, then you haven't really looked at your own mind. <laughs> That's all I'm telling you <laughs> because it's a nightmare in there. All right. Now, the second level that you can make decisions from is better, but don't believe all the people in consciousness and all the conscious community where all they talk about is the body, the body, make decisions in the body. You know what? The body is, the body is almost as screwed up as your head. The body is where we store all kinds of trauma and all kinds of pain from the past. You know, so even in the Bible, there's a verse in the Bible where it says the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? Okay. So this idea that the mind should not be trusted, which in consciousness circles, that's pretty common. Okay. Not the new age whack job people. They're all into the law of attraction and every thought you have creates reality. And that's just a bunch of nonsense. Okay. But in, in kind of the more grounded conscious communities there, yeah, the mind shouldn't be trusted, but oh, it's all about the body, the body, the wisdom of the body. Okay. And all I'm saying is the body is a little smarter than the mind, but not much. Okay. But here, here is how you can make a decision because what you're going to say is, well, Roy, if I don't use my mind, then how do I make a decision on like, do I want to go on a second date with this person, right? So here, let's get a good example going, right? So you're, uh, you you meet somebody online and, and, and you go out Friday night and you have a drink and, you know, an appetizer and you have a nice time and I got to make a decision. Do I want to go out with this person again? Okay. Well, don't ask your mind because your mind is going to compare him to all the other guys and, you know, what he said and done and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to filter it through your past and the poor guy doesn't have a chance, okay? <laughs> but there is a way to, to know whether you want to go out with him again and that's a way about going into the body and doing a practice called using what's called a whole body yes. A whole body yes is a way of reading your inner energy. It's really not about thinking about it. It's about imagining going out on a second date with this person and just watching the flow of energy in your body as you say that. Does everything in you go, Woo, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can feel that, yeah, I've got a whole body yes about this. Or when you imagine, okay, what if I was to see this person again? Is there a glitch? Is there a, well, eh, they're okay. Eh, 
percent? In other words, you don't have a whole body yes. You got maybe 80% yes and 20% no. Well, I just want to tell you, if you don't have 100% yes on something, then your answer should be no. If there's any part of you that is hesitant, any part of you that says, nah, I don't know, I'm not sure, then the answer is no. So the whole body, yes, here's how it works. Let me give you an illustration of this, okay? (laughs) Maybe this will make you laugh. Okay, so I'm from Chicago, okay? We're famous for deep dish pizza here. I mean, pizza in Chicago is, I mean, come on, all right? For years, I lived in Florida. And where I was anyway, there was no good pizza, okay? There was just no good pizza. So just imagine a friend of mine, you know, living in Florida, calls me and says, hey, Roy, do you know that Lou Malnati's is opening up a franchise right near where we live. Do you want to go? <laughs> That's a whole body yes, right? I don't care about the calories. I No, I want to go, right? I have a whole body, yes, right? Yes, there's no hesitation. There's no resistance whatsoever. I'm all in. I, I the, My body's giving me, I don't need to think about it. I can just feel it, Right? That's what a whole body yes is. You can feel it, right? Remember years ago, we used to have the stereo systems. Maybe they still do this. I don't even know. But remember years ago, you had a big giant stereo in your house, big giant speakers, and all the re- the receivers and, and re- recorders were stacked on top of each other. Now you have music on your phone. <laughs> but back then, there was this little equalizer. Uh, there was a, um, a display on uh, the stereo speaker that it would flash the amount of um, volume being in the in the song, right? And it would go, you know, green, red. It would just, you know, it would flash the 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 power of the music that was coming out. That's a little bit what like a whole body yes is. When you have a whole body yes, all the bars are up, 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 up. There's none that are down, right? And you can read this in your body. You can just read. You're feeling on this. Now, you don't need any explanation. You don't need to be able to explain why you have a yes about this. It might make no sense to you. You literally might say, I don't know why, but everything in me says yes about this. Or you might be being asked to do something. You have to make a decision. And for some reason, you just don't feel it. You you feel a resistance. You feel a no. I, and you... You don't, and by your mind's perspective, there's no reason I should say no to this. But for some reason, something in me says, uh uh. Give me an example. Again, my friend Jim, okay, we're big golf freaks, okay? Big golf freaks. This was a number of years ago. Um, I asked him to play golf. I left him a voicemail. Hey, Jim, you want to play golf on Thursday afternoon? I knew he was in town. You want to play golf? And he's a huge golfer. We're best friends, okay? So he called me back and he's like, Roy, you know what? I'm going to say no because I don't have a whole body yes. He's like, and I don't even know why. But I'm not going to go against the energy in my body. And something says no this time. And we've played golf a thousand times since, right? But I trusted that. I was like, I got no problem. You don't have to come up with an explanation. If there's something in you that says no, then I don't want to do it with you because there's something there. Because he's pretty in touch with his body and, 
and with the flow of energy. And if he's not feeling it, you know, it, it wasn't the right thing to do. And I wouldn't want him to go against that. I wouldn't guilt trip him or something. Oh, come on, man. We haven't played golf in a few weeks. No. Right? So this is a deeper and more trustable way to make a decision. Do you have a whole body? Yes. And a 95% yes is a no. So if you're on a date or you meet somebody at a bar or networking event at church, whatever, and somebody asks you out or you how about this? How about you see a profile online and, and you're like, and they contacted you and you're now you're reading, you're looking at their pictures and you're reading them. You're reading what they wrote and there's a lot of good stuff on there, but there's a few, a few things and you're like, eh, I don't know. I'm not too sure. That's a no. That hesitancy is your answer. I'm telling you, if you force yourself to go, well, I don't want to be too hard on people, even though I don't really feel it. I don't really feel my whole body doesn't go, yes, I cannot wait to see this person face to face. I mean, that that feels great. If you go through that little hesitancy, you're going to regret it. And if you've been paying attention, you've done it, and you know what I mean by that. Okay? So a whole body, yes. Now, there are so many caveats with this. This is ridiculous. There's so many. Because you might have a fear of intimacy. (laughs) You might have a fear of, of, of a commitment. You might have a fear of getting hurt. And so anybody that asks you out is going to trigger your fear. And you could interpret, oh, I'm scared this person's going to cheat on me. I'm scared this person's going to be a liar. I'm scared this person's going to end up ghosting me. And because you're afraid, your energy is going to drop and you're going to think that you don't have a whole body yes. So it gets a little challenging sometimes to separate your baggage that could be affecting your energy from the pure energy flow in your body that is there to say yes or no to a decision. Okay? So that's where it gets a little complicated. That's where it gets a little nuanced. That's where we might need to have conversations. Because if you can clear away some of the baggage, then your energy is such a reliable source of wisdom. But we can cloud it when we're carrying around a lot of junk in our bodies, a lot of trauma in our bodies. Do you follow me? That's why I get on the consciousness community about the whole body, yes. It's not as simple as they want to say it to be. Because when you have trauma in the body, you got a lot of baggage in the body, you can't read your energy from anything. Because it's, it's like trying to read print on a book in the dark. You, you, you just can't see because you're blocked with all this other stuff. Okay? But having given that caveat... Still, using your inner energy as a guidepost to to a decision is much better than going into your mind and trying to come up with reasons for this or that. Okay? Now, the last one. And this is the deepest end of the pool. Okay? This is making decisions based on trust. This is... This is getting beyond mind and body. It's getting beyond the self. 
and it's recognizing that you are not the decider, that you are being done. It's recognizing that you aren't beating your heart, you aren't digesting your food, you aren't keeping yourself breathing, you aren't sustaining your life. You you are doing far less than you can imagine. You don't have control over hardly anything. You are being controlled. You are not the doer, you are being done. Life is living as you and through you. And therefore, you don't have to make decisions. They're being made for you. If you will step back and give space and trust, you will find that you don't have to come up with, what am I going to do? You don't have to make the choice. That if you can relax and open your heart and trust that the decisions will be made by themselves. They will just become clear all on their own. You don't have to sit there on a date and say, do I want to go out with this person again or not? Ooh, can I feel my inner energy? No, just enjoy the date. And then something's going to happen. And either he won't ask you out or she won't respond, or it'll just be obvious we're going out again. It's like, oh, the decision's already made. <laughs> it's so clear. I've only had like three major relationships with women. I never had to decide if I wanted a second date. It was just obvious. It was just being, it was just being done. Okay? So there, this is a deeper dimension. This is when Jesus was saying, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And when Jesus says, not my will, what he's saying? Not my mind, not my body, not me. What, what do you want? What does life want? What does God, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, source, the quantum field, I don't care what you call it. But whatever's breathing you, whatever's moving your body, whatever's beating your heart, whatever is sustaining this planet, whatever is behind life itself, um, what if you trusted that? And that's what Jesus was saying. Not my will, but, them, but thy will. I, in, in other words, this is making a decision from a place of surrender. A place of absolute faith. And if you think this sounds all mystical and, oh, this could be a little new agey, I'm a Christian, and this sounds like it might be a little, a little anti-Christian, a little demonic, hmm, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What is that saying? Even the Bible says don't trust your own thinking. <laughs> don't lean on your own understanding. Just acknowledge him. Just trust. Just relax. Step back. Don't be the decider. Don't be the chooser. Step out of that and your path will be made straight. Now, if you think I'm getting all Christian on you, if you're, if you're not into all that Christian stuff, well, how about the Tao? The Tao De Ching. It says this, do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving 
till the right action arises by itself? Oh my God, the Tao and the Bible say the same damn thing. That last phrase, can you remain unmoving? Meaning, can you just undeciding, unchoosing, undoing? I'm just, it's none of my business. I'm going to remain unmoving until the right action arises by itself. You will just know what to do. You will, it will be decided for you. I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with my clients and they're like, they're worried about this date or that date. And you know, what, what about this? And what about that? And, and if this happens, what should I say? And if that happens, what should I do? And they're all kind of wrapped up in it. And I'm saying, listen, you don't even have to think about that. It will become clear. You will just know the relationship will take care of itself. If you've, got, if you've got something and you're going to go forward, it'll just be obvious. If the two aren't right, if you're not right for each other, it will just be obvious. You won't have to decide who to date and who to break up with. You won't have to decide when to break up or when it's not right. You will just know. And all of that is dependent on your ability to surrender and be present. Your ability to be out of your head and out of your body and to simply be surrendered to life itself and say, I trust you. I trust you'll make my path straight. I trust that I'll know. I'll just know what to do. I'll, I'll have the resources and the wisdom that I need in the moment to deal with whatever comes in front of me. I don't have to plan for it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be prepared. I don't need... I don't, I don't need to know what to say. I don't need to know how to handle a situation. I trust that in that moment, I will have what I need. I will have the wisdom that I need. And or the right action will just arise all by itself. Sit with that. Sit with that. Do you have the patience to wait until the mud clears, right? Just to let all that worry and anxiety and, oh my God, what do I do? I got to decide. I got pros and cons and all oh, my mind tells me this. And my whole body, yes, but it's not a whole body, yes. And, you're, and the mud is all stirred up and it's all cloudy. How can you make a decision from, from, the, from the nightmare going on inside of you, right? I mean, Michael, Michael Singer one time said, you know, The last thing in the world that I would ever do is trust in the decision of a triggered heart. Of a, I think we said the last thing I ever want to do is trust the wisdom coming from a disturbed mind, meaning the mud is all stirred up, disturbed. It's all cloudy. It's all you know. You're in. You're in anxiety and anger and sadness and worry and fear and guilt and loneliness. You're going to decide from there. Oh my God, you look out. What, that decision coming out of that mess is going to be a nightmare. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving until the right action arises by itself? I challenge you to try this. I challenge you to live this way or to at least commit to this path, right? I mean, I haven't mastered all this. 
you know, I'm not by far. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But I'm committed. I'm I'm committed to moving in this direction. I'm I'm committed to not fretting over decisions and not even having to make them and not even have to worry and stress myself and feel like I'm alone in the universe and I'm 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 here to fend for myself and I have to figure it out and I have to fight for it and I have to manipulate and control and kind of get what I want and make life and people and conditions everything the way I need it to be so I can be okay. No, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I want to remain unmoving. I just want to sit here until the right action moves me. Until it just arises by itself. Now when that happens, you can trust, you can take that to the bank. The mind, not very trustworthy at all. The body, maybe a little bit more. But when you are coming from a a presence-based trust, oh, you can bank on that. You might not get what you want. Because your ego sometimes wants things. That's why Jesus said, not my will be done. Because if it was Jesus' will, he would, he would have bypassed the cross. That's what he said. I don't want to go up there and do that and get crucified. Are you kidding me? But he's like, no, not my will. Right? So when you're surrendering, when you're trusting, it doesn't mean your ego gets what it wants. Usually it'd be just the opposite. <laughs> you're going to get what you need. You're going to, you're, you're, the decision will, be, will, will come the right action will arise, which is in service of love, in service of everyone, in service of the greater good, right? Not just for your own little ego needs and so forth. All right, so that's my attempt, you know, to give you everything that I know about making decisions at the principal level, right? And again, there are so many yeah buts and so many other caveats that I know you got questions. And that's okay. You know, life is not black and white. It is sort of complex. And applying these principles to your situation is what is what my coaching is about. I work with these sets of principles and then we look at your situation and your life and your love life and the complexity of what you're going through and Okay, how can you integrate these ideas into your situation? That's what really good coaching is, right? Supporting you in living a life from trust rather than from body or, God forbid, from mind. So I look forward to hearing from you. You know, my cell phone number is 407-687-3387. I've had a few people call it just to see if it's for real, (laughs) And they have, and I've answered. Like, oh my God, you answered your phone. Well, of course I have. So I'm very accessible. I want to work with you. I want to help you. I've got all kinds of resources. All you got to do is reach out. Let's have a conversation about my coaching program. Maybe we get together and work together and perhaps our both of our lives get better for the effort. All right? So I will leave you there with this information and this wisdom on making relationship decisions and i will talk to you again next week on the attracting lasting love podcast you've been listening to attracting lasting love with roy biancalana 
Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.